Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. Southern Arizona residents are familiar with the sound of military aircraft flying overhead. On this week's show, we get an update on what's going on behind the fence at Davis-Monthan Air Force Base, and we sit down with the head of a high school ROTC program who says it's about more than just training the next generation of airmen. In 1927, Davis-Monthan Field, Tucson's municipal airport, was opened. The military, then the Army Air Corps, was immediately a presence, and in 1940, the field officially became an Army Air Base. Since that time, Tucson has come to physically surround and in many ways embrace the base. Davis-Monthan is known as the home of the 355th Fighter Wing, which trains pilots to fly the A-10 attack aircraft and also sends them overseas into combat zones. Colonel Mike Drowley is the base commander. We began our conversation talking about a change to the military units that called Davis-Monthan home. The 355th Fighter Wing was an entity in and of itself, and it mainly consisted of A-10 operations, uh, so our attack platform that we have there. Uh, then we also had the rescue group, which belonged to Moody Air Force Base, which is out in Georgia. Um, Air Combat Command decided that they wanted to realign the group underneath the wing, uh, so that way you had better unity of command, kind of a one base, one boss concept. And so that's what we did in realigning the rescue group to the wing. We went from 3,500 personnel to 5,200 personnel. Uh, we also gained three geographically separated units up at Nellis Air Force Base, which is in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so in doing that, we always took care of them as far as our mission partners, but it was kind of a first cousin relationship, and now it's more of a brother-sister relationship. And so it's really made my job more effective from the standpoint of taking care of their mission, giving them the resources that they need, uh, and ensuring they have all the training and just different things that they may need to do as they get ready to go out and support whatever missions they are tasked with. Davis Monthan was always known, or in recent times, uh, has been known as an A-10 base. Does this really begin to change the mission of DM? Yeah, so that's one of the things that, that we are trying to communicate is that you have a lot more going on there than just A-10 operations. So it's primarily known for its A-10 operations, but you also have rescue uh, that's there, uh, the 12th Air Force, which is our component that we're uh, falling under uh, is on base that we take care of as well. Uh, you have the air mission uh, regeneration group, uh, which is typically known as the Boneyard, uh, that's on base that we take care of. So we have several mission partners that, that we take care of, but uh, there's a lot more than just the A-10 operations that, that take place here. With this realignment, I know there are other tenant units. Uh, there's one uh, called Compass Call. Most mm -hmm. of uh, our listeners will know it as the C-130s that fly over. Do they move under this new wing, or are they do they still answer to another base? Yep, so they still fall under the wing at Offutt, but it, it is something that the whole Air Force is looking at as far as its restructuring going. How do you create better efficiencies, better unity of command? Uh, and so right now, they, they still belong to Offutt Air Force Base, um, but we still take care of them from that mission partner standpoint. So making sure they have the resources they may need, offering up our facilities, and, and just ensuring, again, from a from a relationship standpoint, that, that they have everything they need to get the mission done. You said with this realignment, uh, 5,200 airmen now fall under your command. But just to be clear, did we pick up more 
actual people or is this just kind of a, a moving around? So yes and no. So um, the wing was 3,500 personnel under my wing command. Uh, as an installation commander, uh, there's about 11,500, and that includes those mission partners. Uh, when you talk about just personnel on the base, it's about 25,000. Now, underneath the command, there's those three squadrons that are up at Nellis Air Force Base that now we're responsible for taking care of. So it, it wasn't like there was a net increase to the base. There's just more responsibility in, in taking care of them. As Congress occasionally does, and they have very recently talked about uh, base closure and realignment of BRAC, does this type of change make DM potentially safer uh, if a BRAC comes around? Yeah, so um, what the Secretary of the Air Force has asked us to take a look at when it comes to BRAC and base uh, utilization, on the personnel side of it, there's two priorities that she has, which is spousal employment for military members and then the quality of education that our children get. And so a lot of that goes into the calculus on how well we can take care of our airmen, how well can we take care of our personnel. Um, from a mission standpoint, Davis-Monthan has a ton of capacity, ton of potential. Um, it's got great airspace. Uh, it's got great infrastructure. It has amazing community relationships with the city of Tucson. Uh, so no one can ever tell which way the political wind blows as far as base closures go. But as far as those three capabilities, there's a lot of engagement there. And just it, Davis-Monthan is a, is a good Air Force base. And so I think as far as it having the potential to host missions, it's got really great potential. I'm sure somebody out there heard you say a minute ago, 25,000 people uh, on on the base at any given day. We've talked about the A-10 mission. We've talked now about the rescue mission. We mentioned Compass Call. What are some of the other things that are going on out there? Because that doesn't necessarily total 25,000, those three missions. Right. Yeah. So a lot of that is uh, we have reserve units that are out there, two reserve groups, one A-10 and one rescue. Uh, we have the EC-130s, the, the 55th uh, Electronic Combat Group, like you talked about, uh, the 12th Air Force Headquarters, which is, again is a numbered Air Force that we fall underneath. Um, and then we have a lot of civilian contract workforce of that 25,000. A lot of them are Air Force family members that are, that are on the base. And so that's why when you look at the size scope and responsibility of the base, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, the base provides $2.6 billion worth of ep economic impact to the city of Tucson, uh, which is pretty significant. In 2018, Davis-Monthan won the Installation uh, Excellence Award for the Department of Defense. Uh, a lot of that is just based off the relationship that we have with the city of Tucson. And so when you look at things that the University of Arizona has done for our airmen with um, the tuition programs to allow them to take classes, uh, certifications through Pima Community College. Uh, we do a lot of language uh, immersion type classes uh, that are out here. The relationship that the city has with Davis-Monthan Air Force Base is, is phenomenal. And I think it's one of the reasons why we're very competitive for that top installation award uh, every time we compete for it. We're talking with Colonel Michael Drowley. He's the commander at Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson. You mentioned the community relationship. I remember the day you uh, took over command. That was actually some, one of the first things you talked about was the relationship. Beyond what you just mentioned, the relationship with the university, how, how does Tucson support the base? 
uh, in a number of ways. And it is really a spectrum of support that we get from the city. Uh, whether you talk about some of the projects that we are trying to undertake. Uh, so we're trying to open up a gate that's to the south of the base. Um, and what that allows us to do is allow easier access for our commercial traffic. That's a project that spans across the city, the county, uh, the state, because it's all di three different kinds of land entities that are out there. Um, there's just personal uh, support that our airmen get. And again, whether that is academic classes that they're taking, uh, community projects that they can volunteer for. Uh, and then finally, there's just nice military support functions that we have. So um, the Davis Montham 50, which is our support organization out in the town, hosts a football game at the University of Arizona with a tailgate. Uh, and it's those kind of things that military members, unfortunately, have to move every two to three years. Um, but when you have that type of support out in the community, you really feel like it's a home uh, because you have that network that you can tie into. There's resources available to you out in the city. Uh, and then there's just events that you can go to where you feel like you're part of that community. And so um, it's pretty interesting in my military career. You've, I've been to a few places where the community has been like, yeah, the base is out there. They're doing their own thing. And I hope it's going well. Uh, you don't see that really from Tucson. There is a genuine engagement, uh, not only from the mission side of it of, hey, we want to take care of the mission, but also from the personnel side of it of, hey, we want to make sure your families are doing well. We want to make sure your people are doing well. And that's, that's outstanding to see as a leader. Talking about uh, military careers, every two or three years you move early in your career as an A-10 pilot, a young A-10 pilot. You were here at Davis Month and coming full circle, coming back. How has the base changed? Yeah, so that's what's really interesting to me is um, I was here in the 2000 to 2002 timeframe. Uh, when I was here as that young A-10 pilot, uh, there was the front gate, there was the squadron where I flew my A-10s out of, and then maybe the gym. And that's what I thought of Davis Monthan was you had three things that were there. Uh, what has really amazed me is just, again, the size, scope, and responsibility that the installation has overall. Um, with the rescue mission that's there, with the A-10 mission, with all the support that it does to the other mission partners, um, it is truly a large base with a lot of responsibility. Uh, not only here stateside, but also when you look at the deployment uh, responsibilities that it has on the different missions that it's either doing in the Middle East, uh, over in the Pacific Theater, over in the European Theater, uh, there's just a lot of different things that the base does to support those missions. And so um, being a young A-10 pilot, I had my A-10 and that's what I was concerned with. Uh, now being back, you see really the awesomeness of what the base does from a mission standpoint, and that is incredible. Uh, the other thing that you see is just, again, those close ties it has with the community. Um, it just the relationship where if the base really is like, hey, we need support with this or we need help with that, um, you get a really good outpouring of support of, hey, we're here to help you out. What can we do? And and that's great to see as a military leader as well, that, that close-knit integration between the two. Talking about relationships with the community, University of Arizona has an active ROTC program. There are junior ROTC programs at different high schools. Desert View High School has an Air Force one. Do you interact as a base with those programs at all, the the, the up-and-coming airmen and pilots? A little bit, yeah. We want to much more so. So um, as we had Heritage out here and as we have the air show out here, those are times that we would like to integrate in with those ROTC, junior ROTC uh, programs. From my 
standpoint, the biggest thing that I want to do with the community is just inform, hey, this is what your base does. This is why we're here. Uh, the air show is a great place to do that, where we open our doors, allow everybody to come in, see the mission that's going on. It's really to say two things. One, thank you for all the support that we get, but also to show what it is our airmen are responsible for and what it is they're trying to do as far as supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States. Let's take a quick serious turn here. Uh, sexual assault in the military has been in the news a lot lately. If something happens at Davis-Monthan, what does an airman, what's their recourse? Uh, so we have a few different processes in place to, to take care of that airman. And so from our standpoint, uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, any of those kinds of situations, completely unacceptable uh, for anybody that has undergone one of those events. Uh, we want to make sure that they get the support, the care that they need uh, to, to work through that. And so uh, from our uh, system, we have a few different processes where they can get the advocacy that they need uh, via uh, counseling, um, medical support, any of those kinds of uh, venues that they need. Uh, and then there's an official reporting side of it as well. So that way we can make sure that the good order and discipline is in place uh, to make sure those type of events don't happen again. And so that is really the balance that we're trying to strike. We want care for the victims. And at the same time, we want a process in place that tries to, to minimize it and stamp it out wherever, wherever it may occur. On the civilian side of the fence, when it comes to sexual assault, we're seeing more and more awareness within the, the civilian world, more reporting. Is, is that the same on the other side of the fence, the military side? Yeah, and that's that's what we're striving for. We want an environment where you feel like, hey, I can go report this or I can go talk to somebody about this and you don't need to worry about reprisal. You don't need to worry about stigma. You don't need to worry about those kinds of things. And so that is one of our primary focuses. You, you want to see reporting up, but you want to see instances down. And so those are the two things that we're trying to trade off is we want to have an environment where you know you can come forward, you know you can talk about it, you know you can get the help that you may need. But as a culture, we want the overall instances to decrease. And so those are the two things that we're trying to accomplish with a lot of the initiatives that we have on base. The air show is coming up. You mentioned it. What can people expect to see? It's going to be an awesome event. So we have the Thunderbirds coming in, which is the Air Force's premier aerial demonstration team. Um, all the different heritage flights will be back. Our demonstration teams will be here. Uh, we also have some private flying organizations like the Red Bull team will be out uh, to do their performances. And so if there's any indication of it, last time we hosted the air show, about 150,000 is what we had in attendance. Uh, we think it's going to be somewhere close to the 200,000 points just based off some initial sales and, and what we're seeing for for coming out so it really is a great opportunity if you have not been out to the base if you've not seen what that uh, institution looks like like I said we open up the doors uh, we'll get everybody on there's booze food um, entertainment um, and then it's just great seeing the air show uh, take place uh, it is just one act after another as you get to see professionals go out there and do their work and that's March 23rd and 24th. And will it be 
I know there's the A10 demonstration team, so people can get an up-close look at, at RA-10s. Will some of those planes that fly out of Davis-Monthan, be they the C-130s or the rescue folks, be on the ground so people can climb around them and take a look? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have the static displays, the aircraft out there that you can walk around and, and take a look at. Uh, we'll have the demonstration teams that'll show those in, in execution in flight. Uh, we're going to do a combat search and rescue demo uh, out there, so we'll have some pyro and some fireworks going off to, to make some loud booms and 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 get some oohs and ahs out of that and so uh, like i said there's a lot of opportunity to to talk to our airmen and our professionals that, that do the mission they'll be out around the statics to answer questions now uh, the platforms will be available to take an up close and personal look at and take some pictures of and then during all of that the air show will be going on and so you'll get front row seats to to see the teams uh flying and and doing what they do all right well thanks so much for sitting down with us yeah absolutely thanks for having me that was Colonel Mike Drowley, the commander at Tucson's Davis Month and Air Force Base. You're listening to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. Now we turn to the future. Major Eve McComer is in charge of the Air Force Junior ROTC program at Desert View High School in Tucson. That means she's a military commander, but largely her role is that of teacher. She says the program she runs is not necessarily about recruiting the next generation of airmen, soldiers, sailors, or Marines. Air Force Junior ROTC is a program that's designed for high school students that enables them to get some experience and some background into what it might be like to be in the military. So a number of our students come to us who may be thinking they might want to join the military, and this is an avenue for them to learn. But there's no commitment for them to join the military. It is truly just a learning environment for them. Our predominant mission is to help develop citizens of character dedicated to serving their country and their community. So we use the Air Force core values of integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do to teach them leadership skills, teach them other life skills that they might be able to use no matter where they go. Um, we have them do community service as part of the program. And then the benefit for them is if they do decide that they want to join the military, if they've been in our program at least two years, but the the target truly is three years, they actually can graduate from basic and get a bump in rank to where they go in as an E3, which means more pay, little more responsibility based on the fact that they've learned about what it may mean to be in the military. And that makes it possible for them to earn more money as they stay in the military because they get promoted faster. Within the, the junior ROTC program, it's a class just in high school, just like any other class, math, science, English, all those wonderful things. So what are some of the things you're teaching the kids in the class? Our first-year students, they learn the basics. What are our core values? What do those mean? They learn about Air Force history, how to wear the uniform, because the students are required one day a week to wear a uniform. So while our class is like any other and they earn credit, it also has other requirements above and beyond what the average class might have. And then as they continue into the program, there's other curriculum. So for example, this year I'm teaching communication skills and I'm teaching um, the science of flight. So anybody who might be interested in learning to fly, they're learning about the different parts of the airplane, what generates lift so the aircraft can fly. Next year I'll transition to another curriculum where I'll look at life skills. So what kind of career fields might they want to do? What 
kind of things do they need to be successful in college or if they're looking to go straight into the workforce, we can help them develop resumes, those kinds of things. While we always encourage them to use professional skills, so workplace type skills we use throughout the program. And then for my what I call my aerospace science portion of the program, we are looking at doing global cultural studies. So they'll study different regions in the world, our interests there, religions, and they'll learn about other areas. So when I ran that curriculum before, I let the students choose what countries we looked at, and they were very interested in Russia and the Soviet bloc, and they wanted to look at China and Japan and, and just different cultures that they had maybe never been exposed to. So what's the difference between junior ROTC, the high school level, and college ROTC, which you were involved with at the University of Arizona before you went to Desert View? Yes, I actually did teach at the University of Arizona. I loved it. That's actually what convinced me that I did want to be in education. Um, at the collegiate level, it is different. Those students there are working towards a commission to become a military officer. So they really are working towards becoming a an officer being part of the military, whereas our high school students may or may not follow a military path. I often joked with the students when they come and talk to me about the program, I said, really, you need to look at ROTC as it's kind of like a four-year job interview. When it comes to your students now, how many of them end up going into the military or how many of, and how many of them just take the skills they've learned and move on to college or into the workforce? We're averaging probably a little bit more than 20%. They continue on with military service or some form of the military. So I recently had one of my seniors who signed a contract. He's going to join the Air National Guard out here at the airport. Um, I have another student who's joining the Navy. And then we, we do tend to follow up with our students. So a lot of the students that we've talked to from last year, they've gone on to what I would consider first responder type programs. So we have a number of students in um, programs either at Pimo or at U of A kind of looking towards that avenue and then some that just go on and are doing college or work or, or other types of things. But about 20% go on, I think, to the military. Because Tucson does have a military, I don't want to call it a military town, but we have Davis Monthan, we have the Air National Guard unit. How many of your kids come from military families or are they just looking for something else? We have a few. We don't actually have a, a high percentage that are, are military families, but we do have a few that, that are. Our students are predominantly Sunnyside Unified School District students, so I get students who are, are actually part of Sunnyside High School that will come over to Desert View to take our program, but there's not a huge percentage from the, from the military population or background. We're talking with Major Eve McComer. She runs the Air Force Junior ROTC program at Desert View High School. You were a major in the Air Force. What made you decide to leave the, the, the ranks of the Air Force and move into the ROTC world, both at the university and then at Desert View? For me, I was a first-generation college student, and Air Force ROTC was the reason, A, I got to go to college, and B, was probably one of the main reasons I was successful in college, because I had this tight-knit family community within the college. I went to the University of Washington, which is very large, much bigger than where I went to high school. And so that, that network of 
of family really at the college allowed me to be successful. And I always had thought that if I had the opportunity, I thought that maybe after the military, that might be the direction I would want to go. When we got stationed here at, at Davis Monthan, um, they started talking to me, you know, in the military, we move every few years. My son was just getting into high school. And so I I had seen that there was an opportunity at the university to teach Air Force ROTC, and that clicked with the fact that I always wanted to give back to that program because it did so much for me. So I applied and was lucky enough to get selected for it and loved every minute of it. And while I was there, it really cemented the fact that I wanted to work with students, wanted to work with um, our youth. And so then I started the school counseling program here at the university. And actually, I spent about five years as a school counselor before I transitioned into Air Force Junior ROTC. So I am working here at the University of Arizona on my PhD. And and, um, I am focused. My research tends to hopefully support school counselors. But the educational leadership when I started was the only PhD option that I could kind of work and help to support school counselors and really kind of the the first generation students, which is the, I was one, those are the groups I want to give back to. When it comes to the, the junior ROTC, what does it offer, for example, that sports teams wouldn't offer to, to a student? Sports teams would offer some similar things, team captains, those kinds of things. They're looking at trying to motivate their team, those kinds of things. But being a bigger program than a sports program, like I have 200 cadets at at the high school right now. And we pick students to work in positions of leadership. So it's almost like a laboratory where we they learn to develop that skill set to try to coach and motivate and and lead other students build their communication skills interpersonal skills because they're working face to face and maybe not necessarily buried in their cell phones um so i think we get a little bit more time in a different way than the coaches do to work with our students do you see graduation rates higher for kids that come through junior rotc versus kids of similar backgrounds, similar academic level um, that don't come through the program? We haven't truly tracked that type of data, but anecdotally, I would say that yes. But the problem is, is we may have 100 first-year cadets that start, and then maybe 50 to 70% of those will go on to their second year. But usually with our graduating class, so when I look at my, my seniors, I have a pretty high graduation rate. The majority of them do graduate. If they don't graduate on time, they graduate very close to on time. And then, like I said, I have I have a wide variety. I have, the fact is, I have a student that graduated with me last year that's at the University of Arizona in the ROTC program here. What's the relationship between the Air Force Junior ROTC and our uh, local military base, uh, Davis Month, and I'm sure a lot of the kids will be there for the air show coming up at the end of the month. But other than that, what's the relationship? We actually work with their top three and some of the other organizations out at Davis Monthan. They will come out and volunteer. So we've had them come out and be referees at our our field day events, which is like a all-day sports competition for the cadets. They've come out and they've volunteered when we've gone to the Pima Air and Space Museum and we run a scavenger hunt. So they'll work with a group of about like 12 students that are trying to find different things out in the Air and Space Museum. So they, they do those types of supports for us and, and help out. 
They also have come out at the end of the year. They present an annual award to a number of our cadets. So we get, I believe, four annual awards from the organization at Davis Monthan. So it tends to be mostly through that type of, they come out, they do some community service, and they support us in the events that we're doing. All right. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with us. I enjoyed it. Thank you. That was Major Eve McComer, who runs the Junior ROTC program at Desert View High School in Tucson. And that's the buzz for this week. Next week, we talk about a new proposal to increase participation in high-quality early childhood education throughout Pima County. Ariana Brocious produced and edited the show. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Andrea Kelly is the news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.